a true story of a man who waged a war against an army. Totally true. It's crazy. And then we take a look at the interesting topic of tulpas. Is it possible to create a fictional character that only you can see, only you can touch, and then that creation turn against you today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. I'm home. I don't know how many of you listened to an episode or two back. I had to do an emergency broadcast from an airport. I'm telling you, man, getting trapped in an airport is soul-crushing. My buddy Mitchum, he got trapped in an airport somewhere in South America for like 36 hours. He said every time, he goes, it was okay, but every time I tried to fall asleep, a guy with a rifle would show up and (laughs) wake me up and make me move. They don't like you sleeping in airports. Now, PDX was great. They were really good. I actually went up and explained my situation to them. I said, hey, the freeway's closed. I don't have money for a hotel. I had cash, luckily. But I was like, I don't have hotel money. I had like 90 bucks on me. So I'm sitting there and I go up to the Panda Express. And the prices were pretty reasonable for Panda Express. I was just hanging out and I was like, okay, just got to hang out here for a couple hours. The shuttle company will take me home tomorrow. Fingers crossed that the freeway will be open then. Shuttle Company was great as well. USA Shuttle Service, I think is the name. But anyways, they did pick me up the next morning, but that night, man, sucked. And it's interesting because I figured for the first, I got landed at four. By 10 o'clock, I had an awakening. I had a, a, not a literal awakening. I couldn't fall asleep, but I realized something. This was not going to be what I expected. My mom was super worried and stuff like that. My friends were like, oh no, you're trapped. And I said, ah, you know, it's just like being trapped in a mall. And around 10 o'clock, while I'm eating my Panda Express, I get panhandled. A guy comes up to me and goes, do do you have a dollar? Do you have like a dollar? He asked specifically for a dollar 80, which I thought was weird, but do you have a dollar 80 I need to, uh, 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 and I was like, well, I mean, I'm not going to even open my wallet up. I'm, I'm very leery around street people. I've had bad experiences in the past. So I just reached into my pocket and pulled out some change. I go, here you go, man. I threw it on the ground and made him grovel for it. (laughs) I'm just joking, but it's like, here you go. That's when I realized the game had changed. I wasn't going to be seen in an airport with other stranded travelers, people waiting for their flights, or, you know, pilots and hot stewardesses. It started to turn into a bit of a homeless shelter because the weather was so bad. So I don't fault them for wanting to go there, but apparently it's an ongoing issue. And that's when I said, okay, I have to go into survival mode. I have to go into Jason circa 2005 survival mode. I had to do stuff like I had to tie my luggage together so no nobody could just run by and grab a piece of luggage. I had to make sure that all of my electronics were nearby. Like if I was using my tablet, I put all my phones away. If I was using my phone, I put my tablet away or my laptop or whatever. And then around two in the morning, I was starting to lose. I was like, I really need to get some sleep. I'd been up all day. I woke up at 5 a.m. I had had a three hour long dance contest, which I won, by the way. So I was exhausted from that as well. And so I was like, I was so lucky. It was funny. I'd seen this in my bag and I was like, I'm not going to take it out because I'm lazy. But from a trip or two ago in my suitcase, I had some Benadryl. And around 2 a.m., I couldn't sleep. The the lights were so bright. Plus, I was afraid that a homeless person was going to come after me. I don't like sleeping in public anyways. We've talked about that. I took the Benadryl, took it, slept for about two hours. But here's another tip, too. When you're sleeping in public in a situation where you think something might get stolen, like I said, I lashed my luggage together. Actually, then lashed it to my foot. So no one could run by and grab the backpack of a sleeping man. But I did get home. It totally sucked. 
Took a lot out of me, and I slept all the next day. Not all the next day, but, ugh, sucked. Okay, so for our first story, the year is 1997. The place, Sierra Leone. Will Scully's on the roof of the Mammy Yoko Hotel. And he's in a water tower that's been partially blown out. Like, it's missing a side. He's sitting up there with the rifle, not his, that he had to steal from a Nigerian soldier. <laughs> shooting down, shooting down at rebellious troops. He's up on this hotel. Watching these troops get closer and closer to where he's at. To where 1,000 people are hiding in this hotel from the chaos outside. Drops the clip, puts another one in. And that's when he sees a rocket. Coming right at him. Will Scully was an SAS operative who ended up leaving the SAS to do private security consulting. He went to the Sierra Leone, and his job was twofold. was to train troops loyal to the president and to protect a bunch of nerdy geologists because they were looking for ore deposits. So I know what I would rather do. I'd rather hang out with the other army people than hang out with a bunch of bookworms. But anyways, he was doing both of them. And while he was there... There was a junta. There was basically the military that wasn't loyal to the president said, ah, we knew better than this guy. And then they began attacking various places around the country. His first job was to get the geologist out. He's like, sorry, militia, I trained you as much as I can, but I gotta get these nerds out. They're still playing with their rocks and stuff, and they just don't understand what's going on. He finally gets them to put down their rocks. Geologists are like, maybe we can build some sort of catapult and throw bigger rocks. No, 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 just go, just go. You're way out of class for this stuff. His first job is to get the geologist out of there, because that was what he was hired for. But then he is told to go to the Mamayoka Hotel. That's where all the Westerners are at. And Will Scully goes into the hotel, and he says, the first thing that I realized was that everyone was completely freaking out. To be fair, outside the hotel was utter chaos. People were looting and raping and murdering and stuff like that. And the army hadn't even gotten there yet. The conflict hadn't reached that town. It was Freetown. They hadn't reached it yet. But the utter lawlessness of not knowing what was coming next made everybody panic outside the hotel. Inside the hotel, people were panicked. They weren't chopping each other up. But Will Scully was like, this is not good. This isn't a good situation. He takes it upon himself to begin to go out into the chaos to get food for a thousand people, brings it back. It's all, The story sounds unrealistic, but... Trust me, it's all been verified. He ends up leaving the hotel a couple times getting food. He commandeers the kitchen. He's like, you don't know how to make filet mignon. I'll do it. That didn't happen. But he commandeered the kitchen and he told all the cooks, you got to make enough stuff for a thousand people. Like, I'll keep going out and getting food, but we got to keep these people fed. They're freaking out. It's a hotel. So there's families there and stuff like that. But at one point, what happens is a bunch of Nigerian soldiers that are loyal to the president break into the hotel. And they're, they're like, the army is on their way here right now. And they're going to slaughter everyone in this hotel. And Will's basically like, you didn't have to say that in front of the thousand people that are eating their fruit cups right now. We need to learn a little bit about tact. But he goes, okay, you know, we have to deal with it. So let's go, let's set up a perimeter. You go this way, soldier. You go that way, soldier. And they're like, no, we're not fighting. We're just going to hide and hope that we survive the massacre. We got these other uniforms we're just going to put on. Now... Will Scully is like, we got, we got to, we have to defend this place. He goes up to the roof of the Mamioka Hotel. There's a bunch of Nigerian soldiers up there just kind of hanging out. Not really 
preparing for what's coming. So he's like, okay, those soldiers down there are a bunch of cowards, but you, you, and you, you take up that position, you take up that position, and they're like, no, we're not going to do that. We also got these other uniforms we're going to put on. So he is up there, and what he has is the Nigerians don't want to help him fight, but he has all their rifles. On the top of this hotel was, for whatever reason, I guess this is standard practice in Sierra Leone, but on the top of the hotel there was also a rocket launcher and a machine gun. So in the world of Fortnite, he landed in a really good place. He has all these great weapons. He's like, hey, why is this machine gun glowing gold? He also has an ally on the rooftop, kind of. There is another Westerner on the rooftop. There's another British guy. His name is Major Lincoln Jop. Will Scully's like, oh, thank God you're here. And he's like, hey, Major, so we're going to fight these guys off. Now, this is super bizarre. Major Lincoln Jop said, oh, no, 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 I can't fight. If I shoot anybody, officially, the British government is involved in this war. So I can't, I can't help you, dude. Sips a little bit of tea. He's like, oh, great. So he's just by himself. A literal one-man army. And that's when he sees the jeeps coming in. From distance, all surrounding the hotel. Bunch of jeeps coming in. Not just any jeeps. Army jeeps. And not just any army jeeps, but rebellious army jeeps. And he's like, this is a, this, this really can't get any worse. He then begins a one-man war against this army. First off, heavy machine gun. Just laying into these dudes. Taking them out. He sees them starting to assemble a heavy machine gun in the street. They are ready to take this hotel. And once he, like, he basically, it's like in the movies, he's running from one edge to the other. Shooting. Drops the gun. Goes, gets another gun. Shooting. And he's trying to create this illusion of multiple assailants on top of this building. Gun runs out of ammo, because it's real life, it's not a video game. He then goes to the stairwell where a bunch of Nigerian soldiers are hiding. He's like, hey, I, I need more bullets to put in these guns. And they won't help him. They're so scared. And of course, he's thinking, if I lose, we all lose. But they're already putting on their new uniforms. So, takes up the rocket launcher. This battle rages for hours. And that's where we find Will Scully in the water tower that's halfway blowing out. And he's shooting at these dudes. And Now, there's a lot of things you don't want to see coming at you. A rhinoceros? An elephant? Well, I guess pretty much any big animal you don't want to see coming at you unless you're a matador. But one of the least things you ever want to see coming at you is a missile. And he sees it coming at him and he's thinking, okay, this this is it. I'm going to keep shooting, but I'm dead. The missile flies between his legs and blows out the back of the water tower. <laughs> he's deafened. He's covered in blood. And he thinks it's his at first. No, it's the Major, who was just hanging out also in the water tower because he couldn't do anything else. Got blown a bits by the rocket. And he's like, well, I survived. I guess I get to keep playing. (laughs) Keep shooting. The battle goes on for three hours. The rebel troops can get nowhere near the hotel. Nowhere near the hotel. And at one point, he sees a van now driving towards him. He's thinking, this is it, mini-boss. After this, I get to fight the fight the floating head of the rebel general. But this is the mini-boss that's going to turn into a mech. And there, he notices that they're not shooting at him. So he is thinking, like, this is something coming at him. A car bomb or whatever. He lines up his shot. He gets ready. 
And in the quiet of it, he's thinking, yeah, just just give it a second. Give it a second. And off in the distance, he sees it start to turn a corner, and he notices a big red cross on the side of it. And he's like, I almost blew that dude's brains out. Like, there was, He probably shouldn't have come straight at the hotel. The red cross had negotiated a ceasefire to get the Westerners out of the building. And they did all end up getting evacuated. Now, what's sad about that is like the Red Cross <laughs> probably should have just negotiated an evacuation for the whole city. But they're like, eh, everyone else. Yeah, at one point when Will Scully was up there on the roof, he saw a guy get chopped up with a machete. And that vision was constantly running through his head. Like, if we lose, I'm going to get chopped up with a machete. So he had no, he had no ground to cede. He had to fight. And fight, he did. Took a rocket between the legs. Got a bunch of major blood on him. He ended up getting awarded by the Queen for valiantry and bravery and all that stuff, which, I mean, that's exactly what it was. Imagine We tend to imagine ourselves in a diehard-type situation. But I have no real experience with firearms. I mean, it'd be nice for me to crawl through air vents. Well, air vents aren't big enough to hold me, or most people, but it'd be nice to crawl through air vents and jump down and snap people's necks. There are. It's funny because we can daydream this stuff and be like, oh yeah, I'm the last one left and I'm like fighting the zombie apocalypse. Or I'm the last one left and I'm fighting all these soldiers. You imagine this stuff, but then some people are actually willing or able to do it. And he was willing and able. There was a story the other day in Colorado. A dude killed a mountain lion with his bare hands. And I can almost guarantee you that that dude was a guy like Will Scully. If a mountain lion attacked me, I would like to think I could kill it with my bare hands, but I couldn't. But men like Will Scully and men like this unknown dude who straight up strangled a mountain lion or beat it to death or whatever, we don't know how he killed it. These people do exist. It's quite fascinating. It's quite fascinating. I mean, to fight a three-hour battle against hundreds of troops that are have you outgunned, that is almost the definition of a superhero. Your superpower just happens to be not peeing your pants and being able to shoot hundreds of people multiple times and then get drenched in someone else's blood and being like, where's my award, your highness? So hats off to you, Will Scully. Hats off to you. What Do they say that in Britain? Tease off to you, Willie. Probably shouldn't call him Willie. He'll murder me. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, our next story is going to be the story of tulpas. Now, tulpas were actually... My friend Aaron, he requested this topic a long, long time ago. He goes, hey, you know about tulpas? We were talking about Twin Peaks, and you know, tulpas are a big part of Twin Peaks. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know about tulpas. Now, let me get into what a tulpa is real quick. Because I was like, it's an interesting story, but I wanted to find the right spin on it. Because it is fairly well known among the world of paranormal, at least it is now. And I was like, I, I really like the idea of tulpas, but I don't want to just talk about what tulpas are. I have to find a good angle on it. And boy, did I find a good angle on it. But let's talk real quick about what a tulpa is. What a tulpa is, in brief, it's like an ancient Tibetan practice. But what you do is, and there's tons of guides on how to do this online, but I don't, after reading these, after telling you these stories, I don't think you'll want to do it. A tulpa is basically where you create an imaginary character. And you're like, so everybody does that. But you don't just say, oh, look it, here is Pinko, the <laughs> the communist infiltrator. No, this is Pinko, the tiny elephant. You basically have a little friend named Pinko. <laughs> I probably should have picked a different name, but a little Pinko, a little 
little baby elephant that walks around your table and it's like, hey, Jason, want to go play? And you're like, yeah. It's more involved than that. You basically take a part of your consciousness and seed it, not like seed it with like a plant seed, but you actually give it up to Pinko or just to a Tulpa. So you basically create a thought form. So let's go over uh, uh, this is basically how it is. So let's just keep going with a Pinko example. So Pinko is my tiny baby elephant. And first, I just imagine that Pinko is there. But then I really start to imagine what type of personality does Pinko have? What are his likes? What are his dislikes? How did he grow up? And you're just thinking, Jason, this is just, again, what people with imagination do. But you give it life by concentrating on it so much. More so than a writer will sit down and go, hmm, I wonder what, you know, Darth Vader does on his off time. Like, this is, you are taking a part of your consciousness and creating this thing. It takes a lot of concentration. It takes a lot of time. Because the end result isn't to have a fleshed out character on the page or on the screen or on a painting or anything like that. The idea is to create a creature that you can interact with. So I'll be sitting here and I'll be like, hey, Pinko, what do you want to have for lunch? I I don't know. How about a pickle? And I'm like, well, that's interesting. I was thinking of a pickle, too. And so you engage it in conversation. By talking to it and by thinking about it, you're helping it grow. To the point where you go, hey, Pinko, what do you want to have for dinner? Mm, chicken pot pie. And you're like, that's weird. I, I haven't had chicken pot pie in years. I never, never, ever thought about chicken pot pie. It begins to develop its own personality. Now... I'm sure a lot of you are cluing in right now. Basically, another way to describe it is a schizophrenia. You're basically taking part of your brain and creating a separate personality in that brain on purpose, not due to any sort of medical problem or <laughs> traumatic brain injury. You're creating a voice in your head that you can have a dialogue with. And the key is you know the tulpa is starting to become real because it begins to surprise you. It begins to make decisions or say things that you don't expect it to do. The goal of the tulpa, though, well, the goal is varied. But the higher form of the tulpa, really what people who make tulpas want, is they then want to be able to interact with the tulpa, not just by thinking, but where one morning I wake up and Pinko is sitting on my windowsill being like, ready for a great day, Jason? Oh, Pinko, yeah, it's beautiful outside. That's what I thought, too. Really creepy when you think about it. Really creepy when you think about it. And the goal is, so when you look at, when you look over to your couch, Pinko's sitting there eating popcorn. And you're like, oh, no, I'm allergic to popcorn. No, but you, you will see him interacting with you. But to do that, you have to spend time, like, visually imagining picturing what Pinko looks like. And not just there's a pink elephant on my table, because you'll learn in the stories I'm about to tell you how that backfires. You have to basically build it from the ground up, what the skeleton looks like, how the muscles work. If you just imagine a pink elephant and you're building this and you do it wrong, there's literally just like a blob that looks like an elephant sitting on your table going, kill me. You have to imagine like it as a living being. So... That's what a tulpa is. It's basically a, a, and here's the thing, you can't stop it. Because once you have spent so much time and energy and mental focus creating it, 
It's not like you can go, you know, I'm done with you, Pinko, and then forget it. It is part of your personality now. You will see it forever, unless you go through some pretty drastic measures. Most people who create tulpas say that they use them for, like, to boost their creativity or to boost their spirituality. Like, you're basically talking to yourself and they'll be like, oh, no, no, I know I'm talking to myself, but it's giving me access to parts of my brain that I had forgotten that I had. I forgot that I like chicken pot pie until Pinko told me. Now I realize I love it. And that's kind of where the idea of tulpas started. It was an inner journey. But, like everything, it's become a sex thing. (laughs) It's become something you can have sex with. Now, tulpas came to my awareness, not through Twin Peaks or not through Tibetan philosophy. It came through my, it came to my attention when people were trying to make tulpas of My Little Pony characters (laughs) to have sex with them. So you'd concentrate all day long on a My Little Pony character on Rainbow Dash or Sparkle Dazzle or Marky Mark or whatever. And you remember its personality and how much you love it on the show. I, it's whatever. And then eventually you picture it so much that you wake up and there's a pony sitting in your bed, kind of biting its lip, you know, looking seductively at you. And you're like, ooh. So that's what it's become. It's become a sex thing. One of the, there's a couple of things they say, don't make tulpas based on people you know, because they will have a different personality. Technically, I could create a picture-perfect version in my head and eventually be able to hallucinate a picture-perfect version of a real-life woman. I could have Scarlett Johansson walking around my apartment all day long. But her personality won't match up because her personality is basically part of mine, which my answer to that is I really don't care what her personality is like. It's Scarlett Johansson. But they say don't base it on real people because it'll have a different personality. It'll be really weird. And then two... Don't, they say this too, don't base it on fictional characters for the same reason. Because it won't have the same personality. So we got people banging ponies. We got people trying to create these tulpas. Basically giving themselves induced schizophrenia. Which isn't supposed to be a slur against people who have schizophrenia. Or a slur who people who use this for some sort of spirituality. But basically... You are creating an alternate personality in your brain that you think is real, that you can see and interact with and talk to. So split personality is probably a better term for it. You're creating a split personality that only you can see. So now Aaron wanted me to talk about tulpas. He did not request what's coming next. So I don't want anyone to think, man, that dude's super weird. He just said, hey, do you want to want to talk about tulpas? Because we're getting into some weird stuff now. And if you thought banging ponies was weird, So there's this cartoon called Steven Universe. Now, I know a bunch of you are like, oh, I know where this is going. There's this cartoon called Steven Universe. And it's about a dude, a little chubby boy who hangs out with a couple chicks who have the power of rocks or gems or something like that. I watched a couple episodes because I was kicking it with this chick who was into it. But, oh, and people tell me I look like Steven Universe, too. So I was like, ah, check it out. It's okay. I don't really remember any of it. But they have these different gem chicks that are running around with these special powers. And... People have tried to create them as tulpas. There's a character named Pearl, and she's just this tall, skinny chick who has the power of a pearl or something. And a guy was like, I want to have a pearl tulpa. I want her to interact with me in my life. Now, it's interesting because he creates this tulpa, supposedly creates it. We're going to assume these stories are true and these guys aren't LARPing. But this guy creates a tulpa of pearl cartoon character by the way so i don't know how that works in the real world does it look like cgi like i'm assuming it's 3d i'm assuming it's not just two-dimensional thing 
So this guy had been reposting on 4chan for a while about his Pearl Tulpa. Talking about how things are starting to go sideways with his creation. And then this was the most recent post that I could find. I've been awake 64 hours straight. Last you heard of me, my Pearl Tulpa was trying to convince me to leave my parents' house and buy a one-way ticket to Oregon. (laughs) You end up at the airport with me. Despite the advice I had gotten that came from some good hearts in my previous thread, I didn't. So that's good. He didn't come to Oregon. Not that I have a problem with him. But anyways, going on with the quote here, and she got mad. Real mad. Lately, she's been spending time insulting me in demeaning and embarrassing ways. Making fun of my current neat lifestyle and bringing up incidents in my adolescence that I don't even recall telling her about. So NEAT is an acronym, not employed in education or training. Basically means you just don't have a job, you're not going to school. Probably living at home or on some sort of welfare or anything. So she's basically making fun of him for being a loafer. And she's telling him about stuff that happened as when he was a kid. He doesn't remember about, but she doesn't matter because it's all part of the same brain. She told me that the girl I like knows that I fancy her, and she finds me pathetic. Now, right there, basically, another poster said, you know what, it sounds like you're not happy with your own life. The tulpa is just a part of your own brain. You're not happy with your own life, so what this tulpa is telling you is stuff that you already don't like about yourself. You don't like the fact that you don't have a job. You don't like the fact that you're not in school. You're concerned about the girl that you really like, thinks you're a a loser. And she's just throwing this stuff at you. And that, I mean, we all have negative thoughts. The goal is to override them. But this is where it goes from just having a negative Nancy kind of floating around your head, figuratively, to having a thought form standing in front of you, literally. This is where it starts to get nasty. Now, remember at the beginning, he said he'd been up for 64 hours. Here's why. I've been refusing to sleep because she threatened to possess me when I'm asleep and ruin my life before making me kill myself. I don't even enjoy my regular activities like playing emulators <clears throat> sorry, and browsing X anymore because every time I do, all she does is ridicule my inadequacies the entire time. Every waking moment, all I do now is argue and attend to her. I want out of this. I wasn't responsible and stable-minded enough for this to ever work. I was warned, and now I can't get rid of her. How do I make it stop? So he's created this alternate personality, this hallucination. She tells him to move out of his parents' house and buy a one-way ticket to Oregon. And he refuses to do it. She begins berating him, and then she says, when you fall asleep, I will possess you. Now, what's funny about all that is on one of the Tulpa forums I was on, or one of the Tulpa websites about creating Tulpas, they're like, you can let your tulpa possess you. And that way it will give them an experience of what it's like to be alive. It's totally harmless. There's no way the word possession and harmless should be used together, I guess, unless you're talking about these are my possessions. But when you're talking about a physical possession of you, there's never harmless. That's harmful. It's the opposite. Anything that's like, hey, you can create this and you can talk to it and have fun with it, maybe have sex with it, and then eventually it may possess you. That's a bad path to slide down. And this guy's saying, this thing's going to possess me. This thing's going to get me if I fall asleep. I can't get rid of her. Now, it's interesting because even he says, I wasn't stable enough to make this in the first place, so he was having some issues. But he is given some advice to stop it, uh, mostly to create a Jackie Chan tulpa to beat it up. So that's probably not a good thing if you're already having one mental problem to create another tulpa. And why Jackie Chan, I'm not for sure. But that... 
is I would do that story. Like if that was me and I created Pinko and he's like, buy a one way ticket to Oregon. I'd be like, cool. I'm already here. And he's like, no, I mean, go to Wyoming. I'd be like, eh. and then Pinko's talking about possessing my body and stuff like that. That's doable versus what's coming next. Now we have another, again, totally unrelated. A dude decide this second story. This dude decides this is why this is dangerous, guys. This is why creating tulpas is no joke. But that story is is is, is what it is. He's dealing with self-inflicted mental illness. This next story, this guy is not only dealing with self-inflicted mental illness, but is quite monstrous in his own right. I'm sorry if you listen to the show, because I picked these. The guys who write these are anonymously. They could be like, hey, I've been listening to your show since episode one. But there's another guy. Totally unrelated, who created a tulpa from a Steven Universe character. This one was a character named Peridot, which apparently is some sort of mineral. So he creates, he goes onto 4chan and he says, I created a Peridot tulpa, but I don't think I did it right because she has no arms and legs and she's been screaming for three days straight. So now he has this self inflicted hallucination that is an armless, legless version of a cartoon character rolling around on his carpet in his bedroom, screaming. Now, it's one of those things that you can't go and buy earplugs for. The screaming's in your head. And you can't really tell anyone about it because they'll lock you up. Oh, no, I'm hallucinating this armless, legless cartoon character is rolling around screaming in my head. People start questioning him on 4chan. Like, first question is, where, where, where's her arms and legs? Second question is, why is she screaming? And the third question is, no joke, why don't you just create a Jackie Chan tulpa to beat it up? So, anyways, he admits after a while, the reason why, he never says why he doesn't have any arms and legs, but the reason why it was screaming, because he had sex with it. So he created this thought form. Wait, no, 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 I gotta pause here for a second. I'll let that sink in. Now, we talked about banging the ponies, but that is always people kind of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna create it, and I'm gonna love it, and stuff like that. He created a character, it came out deformed, and he still decided to bang it. And it's been screaming for three days. He basically raped his own brain. At the best, he raped his own brain. At the worst, he, the tulpas are actually some sort of spiritual entity you bring into the world through some sort of gateway, and then he raped that. In his defense, because people are like, dude, you totally raped it, that's why she's screaming for three days. In his defense, he said, how can I rape something when it came from me? So, moving on from that, weirdo. Like, that's, that's, don't ever have kids, man. But anyways, he says, I didn't rape her, I created her. Is Another excuse was, she's part of me, so it's basically masturbating. But he's created this physical thought form, this deformed physical thought form. The whole, all the help he's getting is creating Jackie Chan tulpas. He gets that suggestion multiple times from multiple people. He then decides that maybe he should try to create another Peridot Tulpa with arms and legs. That's not a good idea. Not a, not a good idea to have another one. But it takes a long time to create a Tulpa. He's trying to figure out something to do now. He tried to erase her from his mind. He tried to basically concentrate that she wasn't there, which is that whole thing. Try not to think of a pink elephant. Try not to think of Pinko. And he says she started to fade away, but then she came back and screamed even louder. He then began to talk to her and was able to calm her down, to apologize for that horrible, horrible act he inflicted upon a 
sentient creature, whether or not he's part of her brain. She's now in the real world. He apologizes to her for that. So, she stopped screaming. She just would cry, which is horrible. He kept trying to hug it, and it would warm away on the ground. So, it's weird, because if we go to this idea that it's part of his brain, his brain knows what he did was wrong, and it's acting in the way that a victim would act. This is very, very odd. Like, he created it to have sex with it, and it, it, whether the screaming was the creature screaming or it was his own guilt because he realized he did something was wrong, he's still manifesting these psychological problems. And then he can't get it to calm down. So is it because his brain was like, dude, no, you raped your own brain. You created some super bizarre how this whole thing works. And then at the end of the whole thing, he does end up saying, I got her to calm down. But then I happen to be, <laughs> then I happen to be totally unrelated. I happen to be masturbating, and I was looking for something, and I turned and I just on her on the little armless, legless peridot, and now the creature's screaming even louder. His last post that we can actually verify of him is. I think I'm going to shoot myself, guys. I can't deal with this monster I created. Can you take part of your personality and create a fictional character in it? Yes. We do it automatically as we're kids. They're called imaginary friends. Can you concentrate on that so much that then you basically begin to hallucinate voices in your head, a dialogue between those two things? I'd say yes. I think that's what authors do. I know that's what I do as an author. My characters. My characters will do stuff that surprises me from time to time. Sometimes I'll write a story, and I'll want the characters to do one thing, and they it the story will stall out. And I'm like, why isn't the why did the plot hit a dead end? And I'll have to back up a chapter and go, what if the character did this, and then the plot moves along super smoothly? Because as a writer, I'll write something, and the I'm basically writing the characters to do something that they wouldn't want to do or wouldn't make sense for that character. And then you back up, you go the other direction. So yes, I do believe that you can create things that actually surprise you, that have a life of their own. Do I think that you can create a tulpa? Can you can create a hallucination that you can then see and interact with? This is the interesting part for me. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not to get metaphysical on the on a paranormal podcast, but I don't think that's what tulpas necessarily are. I think that that they this is my theory is that the tulpas are actually at a certain point you have opened a gateway in your perception to see something else to there's stuff out there in the universe that is formless. And you have given it form, and it may seem like a part of your personality, it may seem like a friend, but it is alien. It is not from you. And depending on how you treat it, it can be aggressively evil, or just a little off from the rest of humanity. But either way, even according to the good websites talking about tulpas, it can possess you. 
And that doesn't sound like something a true friend would do. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>